Welcome back to the Mountain Church Podcast, where we have discussions and sermons, all kinds of things on here. And we are going to be doing several different discussion podcasts where we're going to be capturing people's Jesus stories, we're calling them. Uh, my name is Samuel Goulet. I'm one of the pastors at the Mountain Church, and I'm joined by my friend, longtime friend, Vincent Mercado. Hello. Thanks for having me. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. How are you? You just told me this is your first podcast. Yes. Wow. Ever in my whole life. That's pretty cool. That means that I've never intru- I've never invited you onto the podcast. Yeah, I've had to work on my heart about it. You know, for the past. <laughs> Is that why we're here? Yeah, I'm actually going to confront you on this podcast. <laughs> Live confrontation. Yeah, I don't know why that would be a real joy to me. <laughs> I don't know why I'd get a kick out of that. I Ultimately, think the tension would be so thick. So thick, it'd be really great. Great podcasting, great entertainment value. Absolutely, but. What we did want to talk about uh, and what we want to focus on is something that we're actually doing a sermon series in our church on, and we call it Jesus Stories, which is essentially testimonies, but with a very specific intention and focus. Uh, and that would be to highlight the narrative that Jesus has worked in our life, uh, is working, and will continue to work. It's a very specific perspective um, of Jesus in our life. And uh, so we have you on here to talk about your Jesus stories, uh, some of them in your past and history, but also like current and going forward. But the one I'm actually really curious about is the, the Jesus story in your life of how you met him, found him and gave him your life. Tell me about that one. Yeah. So I will preface it to say that the end goal of this or the end, the outcome is that my family is just doing really well. And so you're going to hear just details about like what my family has gone through. But, um, I was living in Hawaii and back when I was about 10 or 11, um, my dad just went through a rough patch and, you know, was just on drugs and, and stuff like that. And, um, it was, it was around that time when, when he was just going through that, where, I started going to church um, because I wanted to and not because I had to. Because up until that point, um, I was raised a pastor's grandkid, so I was just like required to be at church every single Sunday. PGK. Every, exactly, PGK. Sweet. Third generation. Nice. Um, but yeah, I started going to this youth group, and or the youth group at my grandma's church, and I was going for about a month or two, and we went to like a youth conference, and it was there where... Um, I actually like gave my life to Jesus and it was because people had surrounded me, people who knew like what was going on in my family. Mm. Um, and it was the first time I had ever felt the presence of God was being surrounded by community who was like there to support me and my family and stuff. Oh, interesting. So that would be also the first time you felt like you felt the presence of God. Yeah. Or what I thought was the presence of God, I should say. And what do you think it was now? Um, I, I think it was the presence of God cause it yeah. just felt warm and loving and it just felt like even in a really dark situation where, um, my dad was on drugs and we were about to move here to Las Vegas. I just felt like there was like no hope or no peace. And it just felt like all of those things that I was looking for and searching for in, in that season of my life. Wow. So your situation felt hopeless, but in a, in a moment with God, you felt a tremendous amount of hope. Yeah. 
That's so interesting to me. I, I really love that because that's that moment people have. And not everyone gets this moment where they experience emotions that are completely contradictory to what they should be feeling. But that being their first witness of God. Like I saw God the first time in my life when he let me feel something that was different than what I was feeling. Absolutely. That's pretty amazing. And I think it helped that I was just surrounded by people. Like it just made me really feel safe and like at home, even though I was going to be leaving in a few weeks to, to move to Las Vegas. Wow. And so then pick up from there, what happens? Like, how do you maintain or continue that relationship? What'd that look like for you? Um, it just looked like me just saying yes and showing up to church. And even when I didn't want to go, um, whenever like the youth leader or whatever would offer to pick me up, I would just say yes. And, and finally just like learning how to be that support or whatever for my mom and my sister at the time. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the more that I showed up for, for my mom and my sister, um, I felt like God was just like moving in us, in our hearts, even though the situation wasn't changing. Mm, And then how long did that last? Um, a good while we and we ended up moving to Hawaii or to Las Vegas and we actually ended up moving without my dad because he got arrested and he had to just stay behind and so it was for about a year um, and I remember the last conversation I had with my dad he told me that um, I was supposed to be like the man of the house and to just like watch over my mom and my sister and that's what I did wow that's and how old were you at that time mm. So we actually moved to Las Vegas on my 12th birthday, which it's a whole thing about like me celebrating my birthdays and and other people's birthdays. Um, Which you're amazing at. (laughs) Yeah, I love people. I love celebrating. That's when the value spiked for you. Mm -hmm. Wow. I always just wanted to make other people feel special on on their birthday because on my own birthday, it wasn't it wasn't that great. My 12th birthday. Wow, that's so interesting the way our, our, mm. our life experiences can determine some different things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was on my 12th birthday that we moved here. And then a year later, fast forward a year, um, on my 13th birthday, the whole thing was redeemed because, um, long story short, they ended up picking me up from school and took me to like my uncle's house or something. And then they celebrated me with a surprise birthday party. And then my dad was there and I had no idea. Um, and he had, you know, been totally set free from drugs and stuff like that. And it was just like a total, like full circle moment. That's, it's pretty interesting. Did you ever, what was your relationship, um, to God? Like after that point was, was it really consistent or was there moments, uh, where, you hit pockets and challenges, even a disconnect. What did it look like with, with Jesus after that? Um, I definitely had a lot of questions for Jesus, like why, and even after like the whole thing of, of my dad coming back and the whole thing being redeemed, it, I just fell into like a depression and I was just battling with that and just asking Jesus, like, why, why am I going through this? Why am I feeling this way? Like, you know, when everything around me the evidence around me proves that that life is good and I should be happy, but there were still the after effects of, mm-hmm. of the trauma that I faced. And, um, I think with Jesus, he was just really, 
uh, faithful to just be present for me, like in my low times emotionally and to just even like literally like when I had no one else, um, but to call on Jesus. Yeah. It was that kind of like desperation that I, that I felt in those at a very young age. I felt like I had to grow up at a very young age too. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Cause Jesus, Jesus at that initial point was hope mm-hmm. and salvation. Yeah. And then you, you got introduced to Jesus, perhaps the healer. Yeah. And the ever present steady place for you. And then how long did that season last for you? How long did that time last for you? Um, it was very dramatic, like very, not dramatic, like just very heavy. The depression was very heavy for a few years. So I want to say up until I was like 15 or 16 or even a little later, um, I just battled with like this depression and just suicide, even like attempts of suicide and wanting to like take my own life. And Jesus would just through my, through people around me, through my mom, through like friends. And he would just show me just like what a friend he could be and how he could just care for me in my places where I didn't feel like anybody cared. Yeah. That's interesting. So what did you describing a situation where he was caring for you and he's present when no one was around or when no one else was able to care for you or no one was, did you experience those in like alone times in your room or what did that, when did you experience those moments with Jesus? Yeah, definitely in like my alone times. And then even at church, um, I would be like that one kid who would always be crying at church during worship and, right. um, and I was even serving on the <laughs> that worship one kid. <laughs> you know, that one kid. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We've got that's that. just Vincent crying again. <laughs> who knows what's wrong? Every church has the, that one kid or that one guy or that one lady see things for sure. Yeah. I think I was that one guy in some capacity <laughs> at some points. <laughs> the one guy running across the sanctuary. Yeah. The one guy on his face in worship <laughs> when it's a praise song. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that that's, one that's guy. totally you. Yeah, Hands yeah, yeah. lifted. For sure. Sackcloth and ash. <laughs> this dude needs to get the joy of the Lord. <laughs> he needs every fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> it's a time of somber, weeping. <laughs> <laughs> They're literally becoming more indignified, sir. Weep with the Lord. <laughs> joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart. Weep. <laughs> Especially to Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So um, keep going. You were that one yeah. guy. And I was, and two, I was, I, I, it was at a church I was at, um, before coming here to the mountain. Um, I was even serving on the worship team sometimes and I would just always just be crying because I felt like my healing wasn't like a one-time thing. And a lot of times it can be like, that's, that's wonderful and great. But I feel like for me, it was always just like a process. And I feel like even now at the age of 29, like all these years later, I'm, I'm still like working through some uh, places of healing Yeah, when it comes to, you know, like the trauma that I faced and it sucks. It sucks. It really sucks, but it's beautiful mm. to be able to allow Jesus to, to be close to my ugliness because then I just get to see and experience Jesus. Like it sounds so cliche, but what happens when you allow him to be close to your ugliness? Um, I think it's just a very, it's a very humbling process because it just, teaches me that because I'm a very um independent person like I I tend to just like do my own thing and and be my own strength and stuff like that but then cat it huh like a cat yeah yeah like I'm just you know just 
<laughs> never mind. Um, yeah. And so I, I find that it's very humbling when I'm able to just present my myself before Jesus because it allows me to realize like, oh, like I can't do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And it's not like to embarrass me or whatever, but it's just because Jesus delights in that connection and mm. in that partnership. Has that changed the way you relate or approach people in independence or interconnectedness? It's definitely given me more patience and understanding when people like withdraw or just don't want to be helped or whatever in the way that I feel God is leading me to to be present for them. It just gives me a, a paradigm or a, a frame of reference for where they're at and it just challenges like my patience growth, I think. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So you meet Jesus, the healer, in a an elongated season of which you still partner with Jesus in that way, which is completely appropriate and beautiful because life has all kinds of those things that hurt, cause pain, damage. And so Jesus, the healer, is not like a one-time seasonal connection. It's, okay, there was damage caused and then partner with Jesus in a healing process. And then you mentioned the time frame on it, it not being a quick thing for you, but it being something that lasted for quite a long time or continues to last for a certain amount of time. How do you carry a healing project with Jesus like that over many months and years? Uh, lots of crying <laughs> first to just really just be honest because it can feel like, I don't, know if, I don't know if other people will feel this way, but for me personally, like I can feel like sometimes like I'm a burden to Jesus, yeah. but he, I just feel like he reminds me constantly. Like I have the space to just be honest with everything that I'm feeling because I think from there, that's like the starting point of receiving healing when you're just able to get it all out. And I've even told some of my friends, like I've learned to, to cuss in, in prayer sometimes too, like, God like, like confessions, yeah. God like what the blankety blank, you know, because I feel like just getting the fullness of my honesty really like gains his heart and his his attention. What the heck is what you're gonna say, right? Yeah, what the heck? You absolutely. can say heck on on the on air. It's oh, that's, cool. That's yeah. allowed. Yeah, man. Dang. Totally forgiven, bro. Absolutely. Thank you. Lots Thank of you. grace. Know. Lots of grace. No, it's it's true. It's our our religious mindset can drive us to be so performance oriented and even yearn for perfection so that we could be qualified. But there's this really odd space we find in relationship with God that I found and I've seen you found as well, that he invites you to just be really in disrepair, in incomplete, in lacking wholeness, um, imperfect, and just spending time with him in those spaces and trusting him with the, with whatever that curve of healing process time looks like, you trust him with it. Um, you re-engage. You talked about a lot of tears. Lots of tears. Lots of tears. Like my bottle of tears in heaven because it says yep. he catches our tears. Yep. I think mine will be pretty big. So then, you know, you got a bunch of tears in heaven. And so not everybody processes like, their story with Jesus and this same emotional expression. Um, others might lend to um, more an anger or more a thought thinking, a lot of thinking, 
Uh, and but no matter how a person's personality processes a thing with Jesus, allowing Jesus to heal is so important. Allowing him even to go to places where there are going to be tears or shame or guilt right. are really important in the healing process is how did you know when you were done with a thing? Like he had healed it and your thing now was to move on. Um, I think there are certain things that we all have where when someone brings it up, even if it happened to us like years and years ago, we might not even realize it. But I think for me, like when someone brings up some, when someone used to bring up my dad, for example, yeah, I would have this like emotional wince, like, ugh, yeah, like please don't talk about that, like, you know. And it, I'm I wasn't I wasn't really conscious of it back then, but um, going through the healing process and and up to now, like up to this present point in my life, when somebody brings up like my, my dad, like I'm okay, like I don't have like that, like ooh, like somebody like poked a scab that I had or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, in my heart. And so I think that's like one good indicator for me to know like, oh, like I've healed from this complete, completely. And it's not something that is a working testimony. Yeah. Kind of like when the hyena said Mufasa. Mm-hmm. And they would all, that's what you're talking about, right? Yep. Yeah, I was cool. one of the, I was one of the hyenas. <laughs> that's your documentary. <laughs> that's my life story. So good. I've been told that I laugh like a hyena. <laughs> I have, no one's really told me what I laugh like. Um, my, my life story might be Encanto. You know, the oldest sister that was like, when I first heard mm. that song, I was like, Whoa, I'll tell you what, <laughs> that's prophetic right there. I'm the strong one. That one. It's really good. That's really, really good. But we don't talk about it. Nope. Not anymore, man. (laughs) And so you see yourself experiencing Jesus as a hope in salvation in a a time of despair. Then that moves you into your situation adjusting. And then you leave that space of needing like almost a miraculous hope for a situation because it's seen a lot of repair. You know, dad came back, reconciliation, which is really, really cool. But then you get to introduce to Jesus the healer for the damage or the things that you took on during that time that you've got to sort through with Jesus now. Yeah, You've seen him help you navigate in that space. And then you go from Jesus the healer. And then what's the next aspect that Jesus, the story of Jesus unfolded in your life? Like what else took place after that? I think just being somebody who just brings hope just by not being ashamed of like my story. Cause there, there was a really long time where I didn't even, I couldn't even share like those parts of my story with like a close friend. So the fact that I'm on here <laughs> sharing my story is kind of a miracle in and of itself. But like just being someone who has seen Jesus and then is now like a church leader or whatever you want to call it. And just um, sharing of like the goodness and, and the mercy of God's faithfulness. Um, and I think for me personally, it's just remembering like what God has done so that I can, you know, like use my story to bring hope to someone else and to even like heal someone else. Mm. That's really interesting. So this remembering aspect is so interesting to me because as as a human being, as a personality, like I'm such a forward thinking I'm like 
almost even driven towards the future. And Jess, you know, my, you know, my wife, anybody listening, Jess is my wife, and she's so good at remembering. Oh, yeah. She's got photos, pictures, videos. She'll look them up on our anniversaries. She'll talk about the history of where we went on each of our anniversaries. And, you know, half the time, like, I'm crying because she's walking down memory lane of, like, remember this Valentine's Day? And then this one? And then this one? And then we've been married 12 years now, so there's this, like, wow, there's such a weight on remembering. And it's a beautiful weight. And, and sometimes the weight's been painful because you're like, where's the time gone? But there's a power even in that, right? In realizing that life moves quick. There's a power in it that it, it almost motivates you to be present. And it can heal this lack of being present in a moment. I've noticed in my life the power to remember, to remember what God's done, to remember the love in a space, in a relationship. What have you seen the power of remembering do in your life? Um, I've seen the power of remembering just really just make me super grateful, like in moments where I am frustrated because, you know, like life goes on and we deal with stuff as we get older. Plot twist, surprise, like we deal with stuff when we get Plot older. Twist. I know you were 12, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> so from there, like especially because um, you were talking about just moving forward and I kind of related to that because in the moments of like my traumatic things, like I would have to like numb myself. I felt like I numbed myself so that I could be strong for my sister who's three years younger than me and just kind of just be present and not be the one affected. But then I feel like remembering um, how Jesus was present just makes me super grateful. Like, okay, like Jesus was, I feel, I felt like those times of my life were up until now, some of the hardest and darkest, but I'm like, if Jesus can get me through those parts of my life, he can absolutely get me through now the pandemic or like whatever, you know, like whatever it is that we're facing right yeah, now. Yeah. He can get me through the Las Vegas heat. Like, you know, every summer you go through a trial. Every summer I, I feel like I need to <laughs> go through a healing process. Hey, when people are like spiritually telling me they're in a desert, I'm like, bro, I live in a desert. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. When anybody from the Northwest tells me they're in a desert season, I'm like, you lie. <laughs> you lie. I've been to the My Northwest, My whole life is man. a desert season. It's a, it's a forest. <laughs> It's a rainforest, man. It's raining. Fresh water every day. Fresh manna. There's no desert. You don't know the meaning. <laughs> you don't know the meaning. From Vegas, man. No, that's true. There is a there's a gratitude that can be available in remembering. I've noticed this to be something really important. And in the Jesus story narrative we've been focusing on, that sometimes we're tormented because our remembering is rooted in reflecting on curses pain, brokenness, um, suffering. And, I, and I've, I've seen this interesting place, even in therapy where people, they, they go and they rehearse the pain. And in therapy, there's an, there's an attempt to go to those places of pain and experiences of pain so there can be healing. But sometimes people think therapy is just about remembering pain and rehearsing yeah. it. Yeah. But there's a whole lot more than that in the healing process. And when you go to remember something that was painful, it's not to just rehearse it, but it's to release it. 
It's to be healed from it. You know, going back is not just to revisit nasty stuff. There's a purpose. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I, I do heart freedom with, with our friends, Tim and Pam. I mean, you know Not them. my friends. No, I'm just kidding. They're my dear friends. <laughs> <laughs> and some people listening might know them too and have gone through like the heart freedom process. But one of the things that they said to me one time, and I think they've probably said this to other people, but like one time they told me, who is Jesus for you in your memory of your traumatic thing? And yeah, boy, like that process was ugly. That was a dumb question, huh? A really dumb question. Like, I really wish they hadn't asked that because <laughs> more and more bottles of tears just going up to heaven. <laughs> Cellar had to be expanded. Yeah. Jesus like construction. <laughs> we need, <laughs> we need Bob and all his builders. Um, Bob. But so good. Yeah, like just remembering it, like where Jesus was in, in, in moments where we had the most pain. Like one of the examples for me was that Jesus, I asked him who he was for me in a moment where I wanted to, where I thought I was going to die. Um, and he told me that, or he showed me that he was my protector. He was being my protector, physical protector, which was insane. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty powerful because the Bible says he, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so us reconciling our perspective to that truth mm-hmm. is a powerful, powerful tool. So you saw that in remembering differently, even remembering an event, but then adding that ingredient of, okay, where was Jesus in this? Yeah. He was present. Where was he? What role was he playing? What was he doing? What was he thinking? What was he feeling? Mm-hmm. How do you think about me? And you're saying you can go and you can ask Jesus about that event in time and you can meet with him about that. Yeah. And that's powerful. Yeah, and I, I don't think like Jesus is like offended or intimidated when we when we ask him, like, Jesus, like what the heck? Like, you know, like we can be very justified in our pain. And I I, I know people who, you know, have walked away from Jesus because they haven't seen that ingredient of like, oh, Jesus was there for me, or maybe they haven't, like, whatever it is, whatever the reason. But for me personally, it's just like, wow, like, I never want my pain to allow my heart to become so calloused to seeing where Jesus was. Yeah. And like the the grace and the kindness of Jesus, even in questions that are potentially offensive to him, you know? Because he knows what's in your heart anyways. Yeah. So it's not news to him. And Revelations paints a picture of Jesus where he's standing at the door knocking. So he knows what's in our heart, and yet he wants in. Right. So he's de- you're right. He's not offended. No. He's not intimidated. No. Yeah. I think that you even see the, the different points in biblical characters and how they related to their story. And you see the, even the heroes of faith in Hebrews. And a lot of these characters that are he- heroes of the faith— they had really interesting history, not all of it perfect. David, we know his shortcomings, Solomon's equally, or more so or less so, it doesn't matter. But we see all these different characters and they're like lapses, they're misses. And yet still the same Jesus was pursuing them. God was pursuing them and, and then still the same God pursued all of humanity by sending his son. That's the part that I wish everyone would buy into like when I preach, sometimes I feel like I overemphasize the God is not intimidated by your sin. 
But I think it's the part that people in sin have the hardest time hearing. Right. Authentically hearing. Right. You know, that there's this lie that is believed. I'm defined by my sin. I'm, I am disqualified by my sin. It's like he really loves us or something. Yeah. And his unconditional love, I don't care how many times <laughs> somebody's told you they love you. Yeah. When you feel God's perfect love, it's so different. Yeah. So different. Do you remember like one of the first times you, maybe, well, maybe it was when you got saved, when you felt God's perfect love? Um, I remember one time recently, before you were the pastor here, we had our old pastor, Pastor Tim. That's not um, nice to call him old. <laughs> He's our young old He's pastor. Old. Love you, Tim. Hey, um, hey Tim. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Um, and I was serving on the worship team and, and kind of leading the team with um, our friends, Rachel and JP. And I had like, I had f- previously in this whole process, like been addicted to pornography. And so uh, a few years later, when I was serving here at the mountain or prayer mountain at the time, I kind of had like a relapse and I felt so much shame and I didn't tell anyone for a month. And so when I finally told Pastor Tim and Rachel and JP, you cried. I again more more more, <laughs> more bottles coming up seven, <laughs> but like my expectation was like condemnation, shame. Like you have to leave the church, you have to be kicked out, yeah. um, not serve anymore. And just the experience I had was the total opposite of that. Yeah. And he was like, Pastor Tim told me he was like, the fact that you told me this and that you're able to share this with me makes me want you makes me want to have you on the team even more. And I was like, what? Who are you? You're like like a crazy man. Like, yeah. So that's like one really prime example recently where I've experienced. Yeah. The perfect love of God. Sometimes I hear a soundtrack to people's lives. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the song I hear when you were walking out of that meeting was that Mary J. Blige song. (laughs) Take the shackles off my (laughs) face. Isn't that the Mary J. Blige? Is that not Mary Mary J. Blige? (laughs) Mary Mary? I think it's Mary Mary. Mary Mary? <laughs> Mary J. Blige is not a Christian. Too? <laughs> no, I think this should stay. I think this is wonderful. I saw Vincent just shaking his hands at me. Like, I'm free. We are free. That's so um, good, yeah, the song's by my favorite worship leader, Mary J. Blige <laughs> from Bethel. You see, she always playing at the Super Bowl. I don't know why mm. she didn't sing that song. <laughs> That's so good, dude. Actually, I think they're playing it at the um, the finals game tonight. No, Mary J. Blige played at the Super Bowl. No, she did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's cool, man. I love I love hearing that that part of the story. So one last question on this is going forward, what story do you hear and see Jesus saying about you? For me, I think the narrative that I've come to realize fully is that I'm a son, as a narrative of sonship. But right now is also learning what it, it, this is even uncomfortable for me to say, but learning what it looks like to be like a spiritual father and yeah, to be I agree. someone who's present for other other people, maybe going through the same process. Wow. Um, I want to clap. I want to stand and clap right now. That's really perfect. I absolutely love that. Thanks. You taught me all I know. Yeah, totally. I'm so, so wonderful. <laughs> no, that's really cool, though. I, I think there's something beautiful because when you can see not only what Jesus was to you in your past and what story he was telling, uh, but if you can see going forward this vision of Jesus for your life and in your life, 
It, it is really amazing. It's potent. It's powerful. It has a great effect on where you go, what your value system is throughout all of it. Bubba, thanks for sharing, man. Thank you for having me. I love your story, man. I really do. It's really cool. Really value you, dude. Thank you. Love you, bro. Love you. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. And catch more of the Jesus stories and sermon uh, sermons and sermon uh, discussions uh, and other discussions as well. We're going to be picking up the volume and frequency of podcasts. we got the wonderful Michael Burgess creating, capturing, Ayo. doing a great job, and Anton Cruz on the team as well. So we're going to be doing more discussions and more topics and more development in these regards. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. And then can you, like, cue the shackle song right here? Oh, come on, Mary J. Blige, <laughs> take it out. Take it away.